Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town we all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Campfire Tales. I'm Don. I'm not. <laughs> and today, uh, we got a couple ghost stories about, well, we got a couple tales about ghost towns. One is a fairly popular one, the other one, not so much. So, uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the, the, the more popular, because it's also the shorter of the two. You ever heard of the town Centralia? Centralia? Yeah, Centralia, Pennsylvania. No. All right. Awesome. I don't think so. Alright. Well, located in Columbia County, Pennsylvania, Centralia's story begins in 1841 as a coal boom town community called Bullshead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullshead was later incorporated as a borough of Centralia in 1866 by the local coal companies who mined the rich anthracite coal from the area surrounding the small town. For the town of Centralia, these rich deposits of anthracite coal proved to be the double-edged sword, when in 1962, the coal beneath the town caught fire. What? Through the 1980s and the 1990s, the fire slowly tore their town apart politically from above. Oh, shit. Are you talking about the coal town that burns forever? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay, I have heard of this, I think. And physically from below. Nearly all of the homes, businesses, and buildings were torn down as families left the beloved town behind, and the zip code of 17927 was revoked. Centralia is disappearing. Today, it's merely a skeleton of what it once was. I think I've seen pictures of this town online mm-hmm. and it looks really terrifying like yeah. a freaky ghost town the the most popular picture is of the i forget the name of the road it probably will say it in here but it's the whole road is graffitied mm-hmm. but the road split open and smoke is coming up from the ground yeah yeah that's centralia as people from near and far learn of the story of centralia they come to visit most are awestruck by what they see a grid work of streets without names without homes Remnants of properties, such as steps to a front door that is no longer there. A few abandoned buildings scattered here and there, surrounded by smoldering hillsides and devastated wastelands. Three cemeteries remaining on the grounds of a church that was once torn, that was torn down years ago. Only a very few occupied, occupied homes remain. While no lives have been lost that can be directly attributed to the mine fire, what has been lost is the soul of a community. With any strange or unusual occurrences come rumors and stories. Centralia is no different in that respect. Walking amid the ruins of the modern-day ghost town gives one the feeling of supernatural forces working underfoot. For visitors to the town, stories arose from these ashes. Some were stories from visitors who left in fear after thinking they saw a person or thing, heard odd sounds, and some felt they were being watched. Carbon dioxide poisoning (laughs) will do that to you. Is it carbon monoxide? Yeah, which be, one is which one? Carbon mono- carbon dioxide is what you breathe out. Carbon oh, monoxide yeah. is what's monoxide burned. is the burned yeah. burned one. I don't know science. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Others go so far as to say the Centralia is the gateway to hell. Imaginations can run wild as Centralia has become a modern day ghost town, and the fire encroaches upon the graveyards of the abandoned town, 
Rumors have circulated that Centralia is haunted. Recently, the movie Silent Hill has fueled rumors. Silent Hill from Sony Pictures is a story about a small town in West Virginia called Silent Hill. What? Mm -hmm. When researching the different elements of Silent Hill, screenwriter Roger Avery came across the town of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Centralia planted the seed for what developed into the cinematic version of the town of Silent Hill. The movie invites the audience to explore their fears of the unknown, yet Silent Hill is a horror film and a work of fiction. Centralia, on the other hand, is a real town. A tangible location that can be visited and explored. Well, you can straight up go there, guys. Yes, you can. But we'll get to that. Well. Quite frequently, it is. Centralia is not a tourist attraction. The dangers are real. The story of Centralia is real. People visit the town and leave with deep impressions on their soul. Some people swear there was more to the visit than sightseeing. Some leave with their own stories. Occasionally, a story emerges that makes you wonder if there really is a soul of Centralia. Disturbed by its fate, haunted by its past. Possibly the disturbed souls of these departed buried there in three cemeteries in Centralia who cannot rest knowing the town they grew up in, worked in, lived in, is now gone. Lost to fire and incompetence of those who could have stopped it from taking the town and their final resting places from them. So, real quick, what actually happened? Why it started burning? Mm -hmm. They decided that they were going to burn trash. Mm -hmm. And did it in an old pit. Ah. And did not realize that there was actually an entrance to the coal mine. That'll do it. And the fire made it into that entrance. And, and you cannot, hey guys, you can't seal up a coal mine <laughs> for air in regards to fire. Yes, humans will breathe out the air. Like if you seal up a coal mine or there's a collapse or something, mm -hmm. air is still getting through. It's just not enough for you to breathe it. But see, fire doesn't need to breathe it. It just needs enough to stay burning. Mm -hmm. So you can't seal it up enough because it's... The earth, it's porous. It's rock is porous. You know, it's, you can't airtight the earth. So you're screwed. You just have to let it burn out and hope that it burns out. And uh, sometimes uh, it don't. Yeah. And it's kind of a misnomer to say that it, it's, it's burning. Like people it, think it's just like a raging fire. No, no, no. It's like a coal fire, like yeah. a grill coal fire smoldering, like just heat and smoke with embers. Not like it ain't even really bright. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even really see it. Like, it's just smoky. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a constant, mm -hmm. just think of like a cigarette ash, cigarette that you just leave and you just watch it slowly. Yeah. That's it's literally, it's literally like when you're in middle school or elementary school or whatever, and the fireman comes to your classroom and he tells you like, you got to be careful because if you blow out a candle, you can still have embers mm -hmm. and, you know. It, or, like, if you put out a campfire, you have to make sure to cover it in sand or water mm -hmm. and make sure all the embers are out because those things can burn for a very long time, relatively. I mean, it looks quick to you, but you have time to walk away yeah. and not notice a fire start. Right. You know, it's it's an amount. You have to be very careful, and fire can be tiny. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about an area that is literally filled with burning material burnable yeah. material so the, like the most burnable yeah. <laughs> so so even if it has just a tiny little trickle of air like those embers can stay hot mm -hmm. and so if they if they're hot enough which they are uh you can you can sh you, you can literally make it a vacuum it's still hot 
you introduce any amount of air, the fire can ignite again. So there's a story posted on a bulletin board uh, a few years ago by a person named of Ruth Ederson, who visited the fall of 1998. Ruth and her friends swore they saw a couple of people walking out of the smoke who appeared to be wearing mining helmets. The two figures walked up out of the large subsidence hole behind the graveyards and dematerialized into the smoke rising out of the same hole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds like a hallucination to me. <laughs> a person by the name of Scott Saylor of Mays Landing, New Jersey, wrote in an email, I visited Centralia last weekend with a couple of friends, and I thought I might share my very weird experience I had while exploring the town. We were there for about an hour and a half when we ch- and were checking out the interesting locations that I heard about, like the Burning Hillside, the crack in Route 61, and the streets without homes. Route 61, that's the road I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And we were in the area next to an old cemetery on the east side of town, east of Route 61. We had just checked out the old tombstones and we're getting a whiff of smoke from the east of that. So we walked down the old gravel road to look around. We found a slag covered hill with steam coming out of it and were pretty fascinated by some fossils we found when we heard what sounded like a voice saying something inaudible, which if it's inaudible, you wouldn't have heard it. No, you can still, well, unintelligible would have been the correct word. Yeah. (laughs) From down below where we were, all three of us heard it. We figured it was someone else checking out the area, too, so we sort of ignored it. Then we heard it again, a little more clearly. A few words, and it sort of sounded like, leave this place. At that moment, the hill we were standing on started steaming more, and it really smelled, like rotten eggs. Sulfur, I guess. Well, it sort of spooked us, so we figured we better head back to the car. As we were walking back, in the same area of the cemetery, we heard it again. Not the same words, and not clear, but something like, why? Why do you do that? What was even weirder was that it wasn't like someone was yelling it out of the bushes. It was quiet and kind of closer, and we couldn't figure out the direction it was coming from. We got back to our car and didn't see any other cars or people the whole time we were there. We left and weren't sure what to make of it. Or we really weren't sure if we wanted to talk about it. All I know is I'm not going back. When I got home, I found out that the area we were walking was near the location that was where the fire started, across from the cemetery. I just thought I'd let you know about it. Something is not right about that place. Yeah, it's a coal town that's on fire forever. (laughs) What? (laughs) I love, hey, dude, I know I make fun of the ghost stories and stuff, but I genuinely love them. (laughs) Like, it really makes me think about how people must think. Because I've never had an experience. Like, I'm paranoid, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm a paranoid person. I see shadows out of the corner of my eyes and all. But, like, for me, I know for a fact that that's, that's an expression of my anxiety. So anyway, I love these stories because it really shows me how more, how other people think of like things that are explainable to me right. with words like what I've just used, you know, scientific mumbo jargon. Right. But like for them, it's mystical bullshit and I love it. It's great because it's like they're I know they're not dumb. These people are like attorneys and lawyers and shit. And they're like, no, but I for real, you guys, I for real saw a ghost one time. Like it's like, no, you didn't. What? Stop, but don't stop, guys. Never stop. <laughs> so we got one more story from a guy named Jim. That's all we know. His name is Yes, Jim. these are my favorite. It's just a dude named Jim posted some shit on some <laughs> bullshit website. Yes, well, please. This was, this was an email. It starts out, hi, my name is Jim. About a month ago, my girlfriend Lori and I were coming back from Nobles when we decided to take 61 home and stop at Centralia to take a look as we did once before. First, let me say, we are not superstitious. In fact, we're quite the opposite. 
we like checking out abandoned places and oh, buildings. Here, okay, I'm in commentary mode now. <laughs> See, this is my favorite because we are not superstitious. Is key. It that's a that's almost like a dog whistle, but for like spooky yuki people, it's like <laughs> we are we are not superstitious. Hey guys, we're fully gonna say a ghost story right now, and we should all be like, hey, it's real, but it's not real <laughs> because we don't believe. We're very superstitious people. <laughs> In fact, we're quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. We like checking out abandoned places and old buildings, old cemeteries, and that sort of thing. We've seen a lot of old abandoned homes over the years, but the one we checked out in Centralia about a month ago really gave us a fright. It was a white abandoned twin home up on a side street on a hill. Oh, and then the immediate switch to the dramatic narrative. I love it. <laughs> there were two units, and both had red numbers sprayed on the front, which indicated from what I gathered that the homes were probably set to be demolished in the near future. So we decided to check it out. The back door was open, so we went on in. The, I'm sorry, the way they wrote this is ridiculous. Some of the first. No way, no way, no way, no way. (laughs) Well, they wrote it, thus some of the first floor windows. Some of the first floor windows were boarded up, making it dark, but we explored the old house a little. We were on the second floor in the hallway near the stairs that led up and down to the first and third floor. The door was open leading up to the third floor. Lori was in the hallway while I was at the top of the steps that led downstairs. At that point, we heard footsteps coming down the stairs from the third floor. It sounded to me that the steps were coming down the ceiling above the steps going down the third. They've used. Hey, listen, (laughs) this is another key hallmark of a good ghost story is the dude who's writing it. Either English is his second language (laughs) or he's actually 12. I love this. (laughs) Okay. Let me try again. They're, they're describing where the guys, I just want you to know, as a DM, I understand this problem exactly. He's trying to describe with some level of visual acuity where he is in space. So his girlfriend is on the second floor hallway landing. He's at the top of the stairs. She's farther down the hallway. Somebody is coming down from above them. Right. That's all he needed to say. <laughs> he has said the steps coming down and the steps going up and the steps leading to and the, for like, Five minutes. <laughs> All right, let's try, let's try this again. Oh, oh my goodness. I okay. love this so much. We were on the second floor in the hallway near the stairs that led up and down to the first floor and the third floor. He's done. <laughs> He's done. You know exactly where they are. The door was open leading up to the third floor. Still good. Lori was in the hallway while I was at the top of the steps that led downstairs. And that is all you need. Okay. At that point, we heard footsteps coming down the stairs from the third floor. So far, we're still good. It sounded to me that the steps were coming down the ceiling above the steps going down to the first floor. So my first thought was that someone was coming down out of the attic or the third floor bedroom. And we fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) At first. (laughs) I think what you're trying to tell me, Don, is that... He heard the steps coming from the somewhere they can't be coming from, so he thought there was an attic room. Right. Okay. Okay. Sure. At first, we we were startled and thought that someone else was in the house. As the footsteps sounded like they were about to reach the second floor hallway, Lori looked into the stairwell expecting to see someone. There wasn't anyone there. Oh, my God. At the same time, I looked down the steps to the first floor and saw nobody. Oh, no. We just stared at each other for a few seconds. I said, you want to leave? She said, yes. We made a beeline down to the back door and where we came out to the car. God, this writing is horrible. 
We drove about a hundred feet and stopped to see someone looking at, wait, I'm sorry. Stopped to look back at the house, looking at the windows. Ooh, start that over. <laughs> we just, okay. You uh, guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. <laughs> this, we are, listen, I'm not like a writer, but I'm a writer. Like we're, we're writers here, the both of us. And while yes, most, most of what I write, you guys will never ever see. <laughs> I still consider myself a prolific writer. I, I hate this. I hate this grammar. I hate this syntax. It's all bad. See, usually I would have gone through and, and, and edited this. And no, this is, it. this is wonderful, but it's kind of taken away from the experience. Yeah. Yeah. You have to read it like they wrote it or else yeah. you're not going to get. Yeah. Okay. You have to try. Okay. We got to pause because, because. <laughs> Not pause recording, okay. but like we have to, I got to stop for a second again and just say, when you read ghost stories, don't read the edited versions because of translation error. This, what we're reading, that's not English. <laughs> it's not. I promise. It's, it's, it's ghost story language. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's, I mean, there's like an art form to it. Read any ghost story from the original post, and it's always like this. Too many thes, too many descriptions. Yeah. Sometimes they'll be like, like the thing about the red numbers on the door. That never came up again. Yeah. There were some red numbers on the door. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, that we went into the door. Cool. Great. We got it. But like, I know that there are red numbers on the door. You, you were, the, also, the author was like, we assumed that it was because the building was going to be demolished in this abandoned town. Right. It's like, no, what? <laughs> Why not? Is it just graffiti? I don't understand. I don't get. Anyway, it's fine. There, It's just, it's all part of the experience. If you read the translated version, yeah, you might get the meaning of it, but you won't feel it right. <laughs> all right. I'm going to try this again. Okay. We drove about a hundred feet and stopped to look back at the house, looking at the windows. I mean, we expected to see someone looking out at us. Nothing though. Really weird. Like someone walked down those stairs, but we couldn't see them. Freaked us out. Anyway, I don't know what to make of that. You wouldn't know who used to live in that house. Not even sure where it was or what the numbers were, but if ever I thought a house was haunted, it would be that one. Sort of changed my impression of old vacant homes. Signed, Jim. Whether these stories have any validity or alternate explanations is difficult to say. Uh, in order. No, they do. <laughs> Sometimes people see what they want to see. Some folks believe they are more open to these types of experiences. In the end, no one, sorry, go ahead. No one ever believes what they want to believe. Some believe Centralia is haunted. For some, it is what draws them there. For others, it is a reason to never visit in the first place. I think every ghost is Schrodinger's ghost. <laughs> he, they both do and do not exist. Yeah. Depending on your personal belief. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's a quantum, it's a quantum haunting. It's a classical quantum haunting. <laughs> There's actually another campfire tale, and I'll, I'll get to it another time. It was called the, was it the, I think the Philip experiment or the Timothy experiment. I can't remember exactly. Right Some now. dude's name experiment. Got it. Yeah. But basically it was a, a, a scientific experiment. And what they did. It was an experiment. Whether no, no, or not it was scientific. No, no, no hear me, out, hear me later. It was a scientific. I don't want to give too much away, but it was a scientific experiment where they had a group of people create a person. Like all the details of the person's life. And they would get together and hold, quote unquote, 
seances, but they weren't real seances. They were just everybody sitting around a room. I have heard of this. And by it is doing like Phillips or Timothy's or yeah, some shit. something like that. I don't want to give too much away because that's another ghost word. That's a good one. Yeah. But it, you know. That one is a good one that demonstrates how and why Ouija boards work. Yeah. So, real quick, just to follow up. Uh, there are or don't still- work depending on your perspective of the explanation of why they do what they do, I guess. Yeah. There are still people living in Centralia. Oh. There are a total of seven people to this day that still live in Centralia. Who are they? They just don't want to leave their homes. Are they like old? Well, yeah. Okay. One of them is the mayor. Well, that he has to be. <laughs> she has to be. They've <laughs> got to be. Who uh, knows? So, so that's the story of the real life. The mayor and his council. Yeah. I love that shit. That's good. That's the real life Silent Hill. The movie version, not the TV or the video game version. The video game version is completely other. Fuck video game version. Uh, sorry, guys. Don't kill me. <laughs> I know gamers are aggressive, so. Yeah, especially when it comes to Silent Hill. That's an awesome series. It's a it's pretty cool, dude. Mm-hmm. It's got an interesting history. All right. I It changed video games forever in, in a lot of good ways. Mm-hmm. Some bad ones. Between that and Resident Evil, those were what started the survival horror mm-hmm. games, mm-hmm. which is my favorite. All right, so next story we're going to do is the curse of Dudley Town. Dudley Town? Dudley Town. Okay. Okay. Uh, In the far reaches of northwestern Connecticut, in the shadows of the mountains and lost in the pages of time, rest the remains of a small village called Dudley Town. The homes of this once thriving community are long gone, but the land where the town once stood is far from empty. Amidst the forest and rocks are tales of ghosts, demons, unexplained mysteries, curses, and a rich history that dates back to the very beginnings of America. Today, only the cellar holes and a few stone foundations remain. The roads that once traversed this place are now a little more than narrow trails where only a few adventurous hikers and the occasional ghost hunter dare to wander. Although it is forbidden, the most hardened curiosity seekers still dare to venture down dark entry road and into those shadowy woods at night. Dudley Town, or at least the area where it was located, was first owned by a man named Thomas Griffiths. One of the first, you would think Dudley. That's I yeah. I, 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 hey guys, people who can't see, you know, anybody who's listening to this, <laughs> I definitely was like, I, okay, so I have ADHD, so I don't make eye contact very, very often. Anxiety, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so like, to focus, I'll generally pick up an object and just fiddle with it and focus my eyes on that so I can hear what Don is actually saying to me. And he just said, what did you say was his name? Thomas? Thomas Griffiths. Griffiths. And I was like, "Mm, why Dudley then? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was one of the first to settle in the region in the early 1740s. There are no records to say that he ever lived where Dudley Town later stood, but he did own half of the land in 1741. A few years later, with the arrival... the guy who owned oh. the other half be named Dudley? Okay. So, a few years later, with the arrival of Gideon Dudley ah. in 1747, the village would be named. The mystery come out. Yes. Does Bruno Mars is gay? <laughs> That's a meme from a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> uh, Gideon was followed to the region by two brothers, and, Dud- and Dudleys have become known over the years as the men who brought a curse to this small town. A curse that has allegedly plagued the region ever since. Now, according to what turned out to be both recent and fanciful accounts, the quote-unquote curse had its beginnings in England in 1510. Okay, hold on. Didn't you just say that Dudley Town was in Connecticut? Yes. How did the curse originate in England? We're getting there. 
<sighs> Rebecca, tell the history of the Dudleys. This is maybe going to be about like when I was like, why Dudley? And then you were like, <laughs> Gideon Dudley was there. And I was like, fuck. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the time, in 1510, Edmund Dudley was beheaded for being involved in a plot to overthrow King Henry VIII. I start to see connections yes. already. Supposedly, a curse was placed on the family at this time, which stated that all of the Dudley descendants would be surrounded by horror and death. Now, proponents of the curse claim that the Dudleys then began to experience a rather disquieting run of bad luck. Edmund's son, John Dudley, had attempted, also attempted to control the British throne by arranging for his son, Guilford, to marry Lady Jane Grey, next in line for the crown. After Edward the Ninth or Sixth, sorry, can't read Roman numerals. After Edward the Sixth died, Lady Jane became the queen for a short time before the plan failed, ending with the execution of Lady Jane and the two Dudleys. Now, to make matters worse, Guilford's brother returned from France. So, okay, hold on, hold on. We are at Dudley the the first Dudley was beheaded. Was beheaded. His yes. son is Guilford, right? And his son is Leonard. Uh, it was Guilford. No, John. Okay. John Dudley was the second one. Edmund Dudley was the one that was beheaded. Edmund. Then John is Edmund's John, son. Yes. And Guilford is Guilford. the third one. Yes. So we're on the third generation already. Yes. And so Guilford's brother. Okay. Returned from France and being a military officer, he bought a home. He brought home a plague that had spread to his officers and troops. The sickness wiped out massive numbers of British soldiers and eventually spread throughout the country, killing thousands. Okay. Mm -hmm. So another Dudley was responsible for the death of thousands. Um, Presumably or actually? uh, It says that he brought home a plague. No, I'm saying are these people, these are real people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I would, oh boy. (laughs) Now, oh my God, with these names. John Dudley's third son. Fuck off. Okay, John. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so John is the second one. John's the second. He had Guilford. His third, so we're still on Gen 3. Yes, we're still on Gen 3. Yeah, this is is PlayStation 3. Okay. Xbox 360 of the Dudleys. It's still Sony, though. (laughs) (laughs) So John Dudley's third son, Robert, who was the Earl of Leicester, which who was a favorite of Elizabeth I, wisely decided to leave England and travel to the New World. Okay. It would be his somewhat luckier descendant, William, who would settle in Guilford, Connecticut. Three of William's descendants. Now we're going to Gen 4. Okay. We just said descendants. Uh, well, okay, descendants. Okay. Gen, who gives a fuck, <laughs> I guess. Uh, the descendants, Abiel, Barzillai, and Gideon. Fuck. Fuck Puritans, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Tom, Dick, Harry. Thank you. All right. Would later buy a plot of land in Cornwall Township. Okay. Okay. While there are undoubtedly some grim events that surrounded the Dudley family in England and France, questions have been raised as whether or not any curse really followed them to America. The question has been raised because in order for the curse to have been passed along to account for the haunting of Dudley Town, then William Dudley would have had to have been the son of Robert, Earl of Leicester. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so he would have to be Gen 4, youngest yes. son. Yes, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. No. Robert Dudley had only two sons, and one of them died while they were still a child. Okay. All right. The other went to Italy, and while he had children, all of them remained in that country. 
This means that there was no link between William, the first one, mm-hmm. who f- and his sons who founded Dudley Town and any so-called curse. Wait, 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 wait. William was the first Dudley. John was the first. Dudley. John was the first Dudley. I'm sorry. He had. He had get, no. Get, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The one who was murdered was Edmund. Hold on. Fuck me. Yeah, Edmund. Edmund was the first. Okay, so we know the name Dudley. Don't say Dudley again. Edmund was the first one. Then John. Then John. Then came Guilford. Guilford. And then um, his brother, who they don't name, uh, he was the one in France so that, got, that brought back the plague. Brother in France that brought back plague. Okay, and then there was the third son, Robert. Uh, okay, so that's that's all generation three. Right. Robert is the Earl of whatever the fuck you just Leicester. said. Leicester. Leicester. I don't know. Leicester. 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 Yep. And then, so, okay. So Robert is the third generation, mm-hmm. and we're, we're only talking about William having to be his son. Right. Who is William then? Okay, so William was the person who would settle in Dudley Town. I thought you said his name was Gideon. I don't know. There's too many freaking Dudleys. That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Parenthetical, the name Dudley should not be connected to the curse because the Dudley that was in... Because they're not the same Dudleys. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I got it now. Okay. Oh, that was hard work. <laughs> that wasn't grammatical errors. That was just my brain. <laughs> yeah. We didn't realize we were going to need a, a you know a membership to Ancestry.com right. to figure this shit <laughs> out. Okay. While we may have established the fact that Dudley Town was never cursed, this does not mean that it was not tainted in some other way. There are many places across the country where odd things happen and where the land does not seem quite right. Now, records indicate that the land around Dudley Town was once Mohawk Indian tribal grounds. So there we are already at... Oh, we're, this is an Indian, Indian burial, burial ground, ground. huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, but tell us a little else before the coming of the first settlers. The region has gained a chilling reputation over the years. Now, could the weird stories and strange disappearances here be connected to the past in some way? Probably not. Or are they nothing more than just coincidental and imagination? That might be the thing. In the early 1740s, the mentioned Thomas Griffiths, that was the first name, and it had nothing to do with the Dudleys. Yep. <laughs> Which is what Jesus, I totally fucking forgot about Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> he bought a parcel of land that would later be considered the first lot in Dudley Town. Now, that land today looks much as it did when Griffiths first came here. It's covered in... Okay, I have a question for whoever made this story up. Mysterious author, why, in the name of God, did you draw a connection between the English Dudleys and William Dudley, and then just be like, so anyway, they're not connected, fuck you guys. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that just... Why? Because it's Dudley Town. It's not Griffiths Park. It's Dudley Town. It should have been Griffiths Park. (laughs) (laughs) But even if it wasn't, that's like if I open Maynard's Pub and somebody's like, my name's Maynard. And I'm like, I don't give a... Who are you? And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) It's not about you. I I bet it was a British Dudley that wrote this shit. Yeah, probably. His name's probably uh, uh, Grissinio or some <laughs> bullshit. So, uh, 
The land today looks much as it did when Griffiths first came here. It's covered in thick forests and the ground is strewn with rocks. The nearby mountains also heavily shadow the area, so it receives very little sunlight. The woods were later dubbed with the rather ominous name Dark Entry Forest. Mm-hmm. In 1747, big Gide- scary mountain. Yes, <laughs> Gideon Dudley. So they're coming back. Hey, hey, brought you some. You did say Gideon. I did. Yeah. Okay. He bought. Who some is le- William? <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> I can't. Let it go, Elsa. Just... <laughs> uh, okay. So Gideon Dudley <laughs> bought some land. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. okay. Gideon Dudley bought some land from Griffiths to start a small farm. By 1753, Gideon's two brothers, Barzali and Abiel. Tom and Dick. Yeah, Tom and Dick. uh, From Guilford, Connecticut, also purchased land nearby. A few years later, a Martin Dudley from Massachusetts also moved to the area, but was from a different line of the family, and he later married Gideon's daughter. (laughs) Dude, we haven't even gotten to the actual legend yet. This is my problem with ghost stories. I know I just said I loved them, but but like all these details, man, and we don't even we're not even to the part where the curse is. We're not even there. Yeah, we're getting there. <sighs> Why do I care about who these Dudleys are? Because <laughs> the town's named after them and it's all supposedly cursed. Listen, because of them. Listen. A, a bunch of dudes who coincidentally had the name Dudley moved to this place that some guy had. He decided to name it after them. Then it got cursed. This is that <laughs> curse. That would have been acceptable. One thing that should be mentioned was that Dudley Town was never an actual town. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a more isolated part of Cornwall. Sure. The village rested in the it's middle. Like Oceanways, not actually Oceanways, just Country Jacksonville. <laughs> Hick Jacksonville. <laughs> the village rested in the middle of three large hills. Uh, it rested in the middle of three large hills, which accounts for the recollections of it being nearly dark at noontime. The Cornwall Township was never a good area for farming, as is apparent by the rocks that were used to build the foundations and the stone walls and still stand today. Now, in spite of this, though, settlers began to trickle into the area. The Tanner family... The Joneses, the Pattersons, the Dibbies. If you say another fucking name <laughs> at me, I swear to God. <laughs> the Dibbles and the Porters all took up residence here. Now, the community grew even larger after iron ore was discovered nearby and farming became a secondary concern. However, there were never any stores, shops, schools, or churches in Dudley Town. Provisions had to be purchased in nearby towns, and when one died, a trip to Cornwall was necessary because, in addition to there not being no church in town, there was no cemetery either. The population of Dudley Town was never large, and according to an 1854 map, the peak number of families who lived here only reached 26. And they were all Dudleys. Fuck you. <laughs> it was Ansel Dudley. I, uh, I hate all of this. Jeremiah Dudley. God damn it. Jebediah. Are, you, are we sure it wasn't Dudleyton? Maybe it was Dudleyton, and I'm just—it says T O W N, so I always say town. But Havisham's Dudleyton, 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 Master Griffiths. Now, in spite of all these things, the town did thrive for a time. Dudleytown was noted for its timber, which was burned and used to make wood coal for the nearby Litchfield County iron furnaces in Cornwall. Oh, Litchfield, there's ghosts. Yep. Um, 
The furnaces later moved closer to the, to the railroads in the more industrial towns through, and the lumber was no longer needed. Iron ore was used for the area from the area for a time, and there was three water-powered mills in Dudley Town as well. Most of the mills eventually closed because of the long trip down the mountain to deliver their goods. Despite the outward signs of prosperity, though, there were strange deaths and bizarre occurrences in Dudley Town from the start. Some historians have attempted to downplay the unusual events in recent years. They'll debunk the legends of the town by first starting stating how few people there ever were who lived here, and then we'll try to downplay the disappearances, cases of insanity, and weird deaths as if such things happen all the time. And perhaps they do. But why so many unusual happenings in such an isolated area with so few people living in it? Wow, you just answered the question. <laughs> it's an isolated area with not many people. Why would we go crazy if we're isolated? I don't understand. <laughs> Fuck everyone, okay? <laughs> the number of deaths that have occurred here would not be such a high number in a larger town, but in this small community, one can't help but wonder if exa what exactly was taking place. I need numbers, then. I'm getting there. No, I'm saying from this person. No. There are also... Like, what do they think a large town is? Because we have cities, and it's a lot. It's a lot of deaths and mysterious disappearances. <laughs> like a ton. There are also an inordinate number of people who went insane in this area. Mm -hmm. As well as people who simply vanished that are in addition to those who are documented. It's no wonder, bogus or not, that a story started about a Dudley Town curse. So, okay, translating. translation. What they just said was, there are verifiable disappearances and things, and also there's more that I can just make up, and you just have to believe me, because I say there are some. <laughs> they weren't documented, but you just believe me, they happened. <laughs> Three of the Dudleys, I don't even think we're naming the names. <sighs> Good. I'm, I'm sorry, we are. Mm -mm. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Just... Three of the Dudleys moved out of the region and lived long and full lives. Okay, word. Dying of natural causes and forever diminishing any possibility of a curse. Only Abel Dudley, <clears throat> Tom, Tom, remained in town after a series of reverses, lost his entire fortune. A series of issues. Sure. Lost his entire fortune and his mind. Mm -hmm. He died in 1799 at the age of 90, mm -hmm. and when he was no longer able to pay his debts, the town took his property, sold it, and then made him a ward of the town. Toward the end, he was senile and insane and would not be the last to suffer from this affliction. In 1792, seven years before Abel Dudley passed away, his good friend and neighbor, Gershon Hollister, was killed while building a barn at the home of William Tanner, Abel's closest neighbor. Tanner was also said to have gone insane, although likely from old age and senility, rather than from supernatural influences. He lived to the age of 104. Bullshit. And according to records, was slightly demented at the time of his death. There have been stories that have circulated claiming that Tanner told other villagers of strange creatures that came out of the woods at night. If this is true, there is no way for us to know if these creatures were products of the unexplained or products of Tanner's feeble mind. Damn, that dude was, by the way, that dude was either 90 or 112. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because they don't, calendars weren't the same as they were here now. Yeah. They were very, very different. And like, you could be off by a long time because like, you didn't have birth records. So like, if your mom was just like, yeah, you were born. If she's, okay, listen, anybody who has ADHD or any certain types of anxiety can tell you that you can lose track of time for years. I, you know, my cousin had a baby 
some time ago. That baby is either one or two, and I'm not sure which, <laughs> in real life. Right. And so basically, once something becomes a reality of your life, you don't re- really keep track of how long it has been there. You're just like, this is, I, there is a baby. Yeah. It has been here for, since there has been a baby. So like, especially in a time where you're not really keeping track of your kids, uh, until they're like four or five. That dude might be 98 or like 130. Like, who knows? Either way, that age at that time period, that century, that's pretty good, I would think. That's pretty good at any time. Yeah. But I mean, especially back when, what, the, the, what is it, the expected lifetime of a human was like 40 something? Yeah. That's just because of like infant mortality and shit like that. Yeah. You get, if you get numbers in your set that are farther apart. Yeah. The mean or the average yeah. goes to the towards the middle of those numbers. So if so if your numbers are two or like one in a hundred, it's fifty. Right. If your numbers are seventy five and a hundred, it's like somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah. Sure. I'm right, throwing another name at you. Oh god. The Nathaniel Carter family oh my. moved to Dudley Town in seventeen fifty nine and lived in a house once owned by Abel Dudley. Before he was before he was made a ward of the state, mm-hmm. a mysterious plague swept through Dudley Town and Cornwall, and took the lives of the Adoniram Carter family, relative who were relatives of Nathaniel. And saddened by the loss, they moved to Binghamton, Binghamton. Fuck it, my name's Bingham. It's Binghamton, New York, from Dudley Town in 1763. Those who believe in the curse said that the taint of Dudley Town followed after them. But their tragic fate was actually far too common during the early days of the frontier. The Carter family moved to the Delaware wilderness in the heart of Indian territory. And during an attack, Indians slaughtered Nathaniel, his wife, and his infant son. Don, please. Native Americans slaughtered. I'm sorry. I'm just Native Americans slaughtered Nathaniel, his wife, and an infant child. The Carter's other three children were abducted and taken to Canada, where two daughters were... Canada... (laughs) Where two daughters were ransomed, the son, David Carter, remained with his captors, married a Native American girl, and later returned to the United States for his education. He went on to edit a newspaper and become a justice of the Supreme Court. Dope. Another bizarre tragedy Maybe. (laughs) Another bizarre tragedy affected one of the most famous residents of the region, General Herman Swift, who had served in the Revolutionary War under George Washington. In 1804, his wife, Sarah Fay, was struck by lightning while standing on the front porch of their home near Dudleyton, Dudleytown. Dudleyton, fuck it. <clears throat> she was killed instantly. The general went insane and died soon after. Now, many have dismissed this incident as not being connected to the other unusual events, saying that Swift did not actually live in Dudleytown, but on Bald Mountain Road, where his house actually remains to this day, and that he only went insane when he became old and senile. But in an area this sparsely populated, the records indicated three people to have gone insane in the space of less than half a century. Hey, um, in my own family, I can name one person with severe, well, who ha- until he died, had severe dementia. There's one who's got Alzheimer's and more than more, more than I should can even think about that have had cancer and other things like that happen to me in just my family on one side of my family. So three people in 50 years. Oh no. Yeah. 
could this be mere coincidence? Yes. <laughs> and does a person being struck by lightning while standing on their front porch qualify as unusual? Kind of, depending on your definition of unusual. It's de- certainly unlikely. I would say that it does, and our story is not yet complete. <sighs> Another famous personage allegedly connected to Dudley Town was Horace Greeley, the editor and founder of the New York Tribune. Who gives a fuck who Horace Greeley was? <laughs> who cares? In this case, the story deserves to be debunked. Greeley married a young woman named Mary Young Cheney, who the stories of the curse say was born in Dudley Town. In truth, Mary was born and raised in nearby Litchfield, and never lived in Dudley Town. Mm-hmm. She left the area as early as 1833 and went to live in a vegetarian boarding house that was owned by Dr. Graham of Graham Cracker fame. <clears throat> no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy was kind of a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and became involved in the popular wellness movement of the time. While there, she... Involving inventing the Graham Cracker, minus all the fun cinnamon stuff that you guys think about graham crackers uh basically he invented cardboard food for children to eat so they wouldn't masturbate yeah and that's just who why because he was an idiot and a monster (laughs) and he cared way too much about what fucking six-year-olds were doing with their hands (laughs) now while at the boarding house she met and later married horace greeley in 1872 greeley ran for president against ulysses s grant and lost the election short time before that Mary suffered from an attack of lung disease and died. Her In the 1800s? Yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her death occurred in New York City with her husband and two daughters, Ida and Gabrielle, in attendance. She was buried in Greenwood Cemetery. Now, the legends claim that she committed suicide, but this was not the case. Greeley himself died one month later, and the electoral votes that he received in the election were distributed to minor candidates. Who cares? Yeah, why did we bring these people up? <laughs> because supposedly she committed suicide. And it was all because she was born in Dudley Town. But she wasn't born in Dudley Town. She died of tuberculosis. Let's be honest. Lung disease in the 1800s. We could have just said that. Author. Author. Author, <laughs> please. After the Civil War, Dudley Town began to die. And many of the villagers simply packed up and moved away. Oh, man. The demise of the town itself is hardly surprising. Now, whether you believe in the so-called curse or not. No. Its geographical location was foolhardy at best. Surrounded by hills and at elevations of more than 1,500 feet, there was little chance that a good crop would ever grow and sustain life in the village. The winters were harsh here, and even the the hardy apple trees were stunted by months of cold. Now, as mentioned already, the soil was rocky and the area was plagued by almost too much water. It pooled into tepid swamps and seeped into the earth, creating a damp morass. But even if you overlook the idea of an actual curse and admit that the location of the town must have had a hand in its undoing, the sheer number of amused, un- unusual deaths, leaving out that of Mary Greeley, and mental conditions in such an isolated area more than suggests that something out of the ordinary was occurring in the little town. And no matter how hard the debunkers try to disregard the next mysterious event to occur in Dudley Town. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> None of these events have been mysterious in any single way. None of them have been mysterious. It's always somebody died and somebody else went insane because they got sad or old. Okay. I'm not. I'm just telling the story. Listen, I'm I'm not talking to you. To you I'm talking at you to the author. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the messenger, man. Well, give them my message. Okay. They're a fool. All right. Well, no matter how hard you try to disregard the next mysterious event to occur in Dudley Town, your efforts fall short. Will they? I don't know. 
Challenge accepted. This event occurred in 1901. There are too many years between events. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, <laughs> the last thing we heard about was like in the 1830s. What the fuck do they, what? It's like eight mysterious events over 300 goddamn years or some shit. Like, what are they talking about? Okay, so this was at the time when the population of Dudley Town had dwindled away to almost nothing. Ugh. One of the last residents of the town was a man named John Patrick Brophy. Tragedy visited swiftly and in severe several blows. Again, isolated. Keyword. First, his wife died of consumption. Oh, and now he goes insane? Which, I don't know, which is not uncommon in those days. And there was nothing strange about her ailment, as she had been suffering from it for years. The, also, author, too many times have you said, there was nothing strange about this thing that I'm saying is strange. <laughs> what? <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. You get one of those, maybe. <laughs> now, this did not lessen Brophy's grief, however, but he was soon further stricken when his two children vanished into the forest just a short time after the funeral. And while their disappearances could have been voluntary, because they, they had been accused of stealing sleigh blankets, which was a minor offense, there is nothing to indicate that it was. They vanished and were never you found. You just indicated something that it could... What? I hate this person. Shortly after, the Brophy house burned to the ground in an unexplained fire, and not long after, Brophy himself vanished into the forest, and he was never seen again. Debunk that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't have to. It's (laughs) literally you told me. You okay? Literally, you told me <laughs> the mysterious things that happened were <laughs> consumption, two children disappearing into a forest shortly after a time of grief in their lives, a time when children are generally gonna do things that are reckless or dangerous. That's how children cope with grief. The first time I ever really had grief, I ran away from home myself. Secondly. Thirdly, who gives a fuck glee? That man fully burned his own house down and ran into the forest. He'd lost his wife and his children, and then he ran to... What do you mean? It was mysterious. This man lost everything, and he just totally ran into the forest like some kind of crazy person and disappeared. What? Ah, but why did he go crazy? I'm going to slap the shit out of this person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to slap the shit out of you. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) <laughs> okay. By the early 1900s, Dudley Town was completely deserted. The remaining homes began to fall into disrepair and ruin. Also, he was like one of the last people there. Of course, what? Soon, the forest began to reclaim the village that had been carved in, out of it. But yeah, my yeah, my 82 year old grandfather mysteriously, mysteriously got dementia. Guys, what? Come on, get ready. Jeez. Because there was still one other death that proponents oh. of the curse have connected to Dudley Town. Oh, no. And while the curse may be unlikely. Again? <laughs> again, you say? <laughs> it does mark one additional case of insanity for an isolated region that was already riddled with them. Around 1900, Dr. William Clark came to Cornwall and fell in love with the forest and the quiet country life. Around what time? 1900. Okay. Clark had been born in 1877 and grew up on a farm in Tenafly, New Jersey. 
That, that's not a real place. <laughs> <laughs> he later became a professor of surgery and taught at Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons. Now, keep in mind that this is the 1900s early. Yeah. We still don't have real doctors yet. <laughs> There's no anesthesia, none of that shit. So keep in mind, when they say insanity, that was a blanket term for any mental condition other than neurotypicalness <laughs> that they didn't know how to deal with. You were either strange or you were insane, and insane was anything. Yeah. So just keep that in mind up until like the 80s. So, <clears throat> um. As well as he also earned a reputation as the leading cancer specialist in New York. He purchased a thousand acres of land in the wilds of Connecticut, which included Dudley Town, and began construction of a summer and vacation home there. So this curse is if you have land that's even connected to Dudley Town. Apparently. Well, no, it, it included the, the thousand acres. He bought what once was Dudley Town. And other stuff. And right? other stuff, yeah. Right. But Dudley Town was part of it. Right. Where Was he building his house on the part that was Dudley Town? It does not say. Right. Okay. Over the next number of years, he and his wife, Harriet Bank Clark. Because my question is, is if people lived in that land already, but not on Dudley Town, how the fuck, why aren't we talking about them? Were they not any of the cases of insanity or anything? We just said the girl who didn't grow up in Dudley Town can't be cursed by Dudley Town. So does it matter what the deed says? Or where you draw lines? Because if that's true, if I just draw a circle right now, call that bitch Dudley Town, do I get cursed? You do realize our campfire has died at this point. <laughs> Listen, I got, I got, I got fuel for days. <laughs> We're down to embers. So. I got logs in the trunk. Let's do it. <laughs> they visited him and his wife visited the house on weekends and during the summer until it was completed. After that, it became mostly a holiday house for short trips in the summer and for Thanksgiving. Together, they maintained an idyllic second life near Dudley, near Dudley Town until 1918. Near. One summer weekend, Dr. Clark was called away to New York on an emergency. His wife stayed behind, and according to the story, he returned 36 hours later to find that she had gone insane. Where is Dudley Town? This is in Connecticut. Is Connecticut less than 36 hours away in 1900 travel? I don't know. From New York? I don't, I don't even know how far it is in today's travel. Plus, it doesn't say where in New York. It just says New York. That's what I'm asking. It's like border to border. It doesn't matter. I think so. I think they're close to each other. The story also claims... I don't know anything about geography. That wasn't trying to debunk anything just for people's posterity. I just really don't know where the fuck <laughs> Connecticut or New York are. <laughs> the story also claims that she told a str- of strange creatures that came out of the forest and attacked her. She committed suicide soon after. But how much truth is there to this tale? None. <laughs> Perhaps more than some would like you to believe. Oh, my God. It has been recorded that for several years before her suicide, mm-hmm. Mrs. Clark suffered from a quote-unquote chronic illness. Oh, my God. There is nothing to indicate what this ailment might have been or whether it was a physical or mental one. I bet it doesn't matter which. It doesn't matter which. <laughs> it is safe. It literally doesn't matter which. <sighs> it is safe to say, though. That mentally stable individuals do not ordinarily take their lives. No way. What? But, okay. No, I'm not even... It's fine. We weren't going to do a tangents today just to keep you calm and the ghost no, stories. No, it's good. You it's off. good. These ghost stories are wonderful things, Don. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. As far- she, okay, this woman had an illness <laughs> mysteriously for years and years. 
And then suddenly she got tired of that and killed herself. And that's a mystery. It's a mystery why she would do something like that. This woman who had been sick for years and it might have been a mental illness was a somehow also a mentally stable person who would not normally what? Oh, oh my abs hurt. Okay. Uh, as far as whether or not she saw strange creatures in the woods, well, we'll never really know for sure. But even if we just... What be- if it was a brain tumor? That would explain literally everything about that situation. Mm-hmm. You suffered with a mysterious illness unidentified for years, and also you had hallucinations and then killed yourself. Yeah. Sounds like a fucking brain tumor to me. Even if we disregard this, we still have one more suicide that oh occurred God. to a resident of the nearly non-existent village of Dudley Town. Now, while undoubtedly... Shattered by his wife's suicide, Dr. Clark continued to maintain his house in Dudley Town and continued to visit. I would love for any time a story like this happens where they're like, there's a curse here and I can prove it by saying these weird, weird shit happened. None of it's ever weird. None of it's ever unexplainable. Somebody give me something truly fucking unexplainable. I was there. I saw a man disappear into a ball of smoke and call my true name on the wind. (laughs) First of all, what's a true name even? I can't prove anything about that. So maybe he did do that. Maybe he did. But you know, you can't just go through the records of a town that that nobody really knows about and be like, this was mysterious because so many people died here. Did they live there? Then it's not mysterious that they died there. (laughs) I think they're saying this more to the fact of how they died. How many that and how it's like, oh, how many people went crazy in old times? All of them. <laughs> Every single one of them. I'm not how saying- many of you think that you're sane? Old timey medicine doesn't agree with you. Yeah. Old timey medicine does not agree with anybody that's alive today. Yeah. The fact that you think black people are people would have made you insane back then. <laughs> For women, the fact that you read a novel. That's true. Anything could make you insane. Somebody didn't like you, you were insane. Masturbation. Insane. Yeah, Instagram crackers. You'll be happy to know we're almost done here. Okay. (laughs) Uh, A number of years later, he remarried and returned to stay at his summer house until a larger home was completed in nearby in 1930. In 1924, he and his wife, Carita, as well as other doctors, friends, and interested landowners, formed the Dark Entry Forest Association. It was designed to act as forest preserve so that the land around Dudley Town would remain forever wild. They held their first meeting in 1926 with 46 members, or 41 members. Dr. Clark died in Cornwall Bridge in February of 1943, and Carita passed away five years later. A number of their children and family members still reside in the area. Today, Dudley Town is mostly deserted, except for the curiosity seeker and tourists who come looking for thrills. The Dark Forest Entry Association still owns much of the land the village once stood on. There are a group of homes on Bald Mountain Road that are very secluded from the main roads, and they belong to the closest residents. These locals maintain that nothing supernatural takes place in their region, and perhaps they're right. They're right. It seems unlikely that the curse on Dudley Town ever, is really, real. ever really existed. But, oh my God. on the other hand, no other hands. There is something strange about such a small area where so many disappearances, unusual deaths, suicides, and cases of insanity happened since the 1700s. The stories of a curse had to have gotten started for some reason 
And boredom. Perhaps, perhaps this is why. It was boredom. As far as we know, the ghostly tales began to surface in the 1940s. Specifically, whoever wrote this is boredom. <laughs> it was at this time that visitors to the ruins of the village began to speak of strange incidents, 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 and wispy apparitions on the in the woods. Even today, those who have visited the place boast of paranormal photographs, overwhelming feelings of terror, mysterious lights, sights and sounds, and even of being touched. Oh, no. Pushed and scratched by unseen hands. Forest. <laughs> Some researchers refer to the area as a negative power spot. Forest? Or a place where entities enter this world from the other side. Forest. They say this may explain the strange events in Dudley Town's history. It's just a forest. Like the eerie reports, the strange creatures, and perhaps even the outbreaks of insanity and madness. Forest. Isolation. <laughs> the place is often thought of as tainted in some way. <clears throat> Swamp? As if the ground has somehow spoiled here. Swamp. Definitely. Or, or perhaps was spoiled all along. Swamp. Some historians and debunkers dismiss such reports and theories and maintain that just because the so-called curse of Dudley Town doesn't exist, then nothing strange has ever occurred here. However... An open-minded look at some of the things that have happened do seem to show this is a strange place and one that has been an enigma from the earliest days of its history. That's my, hey, hey, that's that open-minded bullshit we were talking about last time. Hey, <laughs> I, I maintain an open mind, even though most of this is fully debunked. <laughs> whether or By not, me. <laughs> whether or not there is any truth to the accounts of people who come have come here since the days when the village was abandoned, is up to the reader to decide. They, then I've decided there aren't. Or now I should warn you. Oh, no. Trying to visit Dudley Town today can be hazardous. Oh? And not because of the ghosts. Is it because it's an old town? No. It should be noted that the planners for the Dark, Entry for, Dark Forest Entry Association have forbidden trespassing on their property. In 1999, they announced that they would no longer allow hikers on the land. In spite of this, many, many still go. Now daring not only the spirits, but the authorities as well. Now, unfortunately, the ruins of Dudley Town have been vandalized in recent years, and the constant streams of trespassers have had a negative effect on the ecology of the area. Just as unfortunate is the fact that the forbidden quality of Dudley Town is what brings so many curiosity seekers to the vicinity. However, the author advises readers to refrain from visiting this area until methods can be devised to better preserve the wilderness here, and until this unsettled corner of the New England has been opened to the public again. I can't roll my eyes hard enough. <laughs> ever. When we're done with these. I I'm going to make up a goddamn ghost story one of these days. That's one of my plans eventually will be for us to create our own urban legend. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. We're going to do way better than any of these people. <laughs> See, I knew these were going to be different than when we actually do the full stories. Because the full stories, I'm giving you the, the... Well, I mean, for the most part. The history behind it and how it came to be. Yeah. These are just ghost stories yeah and i knew that your reaction to them were going to be i didn't realize they're going to be this violent i love <laughs> ghost stories so much they're so dumb <laughs> every single one of them see i just love ghost stories period whether they're real or not they're not <laughs> i promise now i can tell you whether now you again i'm generally agnostic in every single aspect of my life which means ghosts may or may not be real if they are real, we could not detect them, period. Sorry. <laughs> That's the whole thing about them. Well, you you literally, you would only be able to detect ghosts as like a cold gust of wind, which is a thing that happens anyway. 
Now, I'll tell you a real quick story. My dad saw a ghost in his house. He didn't, but okay. There was a, he saw someone standing at the foot of his bed when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he had, it was a headless person, had his head under his arms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never told anybody about this ghost. Many years later, my grandparents moved, they lived in a mobile home on this land when my dad was a kid. They moved the mobile home, built a permanent residence on the same land in the mm-hmm. same spot. Mm-hmm. The spot where my dad's bedroom was when he was a kid it became where my grandparents' dining room was. Mm-hmm. And my aunt and her family came to live with my grandparents for a while. They were having hard times. They were building a house next door. And she was feeding her baby in the kitchen and looked up in the dining room and saw the same ghost. My dad had never told her about it, but she saw the same thing. And when she started telling him, that's when my dad told his side of the story. So they saw something. If I could link to YouTube videos and research papers right now, I would. Because the YouTube videos explain the research papers in a way that I could understand them. But basically, sound can do that. Sound can make you... So, like, if the house was built that way, or if there was a certain reason that sound or vibrations literally like sound meaning vibrations detectable by the human body not necessarily your ear it can wobble your eyes and you can see shapes and stuff that might be that might be i'm gonna say they probably didn't see a ghost and i'm gonna say that your dad maybe had the had this thing happen as a kid and then way later um, he forgot that he told your aunt about it, and that could be what happened. Oh, I'm just saying. My mom swears she sees a fox in our neighborhood. I don't see that fox. That doesn't mean the fox isn't real, but the fact that no one can prove the existence of a ghost, and you can't prove a negative, so you can't prove that ghosts don't exist. Right. That's where we're at. You can't prove to me that there's a ghost that happens because every way that you, like, for example, those ghost hunting shows, Mm -hmm. like, there's always a really simple explanation for, like, how they achieved that, especially since you're getting it second or third hand after they filmed it with whatever tricks they used, after they edited it at least once, and after they put the music and shit in. And narration to like guide your attention to what they wanted you to see. Now, word of mouth is also unreliable. And if you don't believe me, play a game of telephone with three people. It'll never, you'll still fuck up. It might take you two times around, but you'll still fuck it up. I love the fact we're having this discussion and the story wasn't even about ghosts. It sure wasn't. <laughs> It was about curses. Curses are the same as ghosts. Dude, curses are even simpler to explain. If you believe there's a curse, somebody else believes it's bad luck. Somebody else believes it's just coincidence. It's just a different word to describe the the same phenomena. Something that I think is unfair kept happening. That's it. I didn't realize you'd get this, this passionate about it. It's because people really believe this and it's so clearly like not supposed to be believable it's supposed to just be for fun but people really truly dedicate their lives to this shit see i'm open to the idea 
I'm open to the idea. Unfortunately, nobody has had any new ideas that haven't been debunked already. Like every device that ghost hunters or curse detectors use, every every technique that psychics have to make excuse me, to make you think that they can predict the future or read your mind or any yeah. of that, all of that has explained you can learn to do that. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? If psychics were real, you would not be able to learn how to be psychic. You that's not how psychic sh- works at all. So my point is it would be great if it was just fun, but people really hunt for Bigfoot like it's real and it's super not. Anyway. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy me ranting at things. <laughs> uh statistically you don't. <laughs> <laughs> This was supposed to be a short Maybe episode. one day, maybe one day you will. <laughs> All right. So the fire is getting low, guys. So we're going to call it for the night. And thank I've been you dumping for... sand on this bitch for at least 10 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> He's been pissing on it. And... <laughs> we got to be safe. We were talking about fire safety last time. We're, we got to be safe. All right. We got to make sure the fire is out. But this story has to be finished first, man. <laughs> All right, we're going to head to our tents, guys. So we'll see you next time. And I've been Don. I'm Ruben. Don's a dork. (laughs) Thank you for coming by. Bye. I'm the cool one.